0: I think the big thing that I look for is to see if folks have more than just a rote understanding of the product development process. Like, do you have an opinion about when you should do certain things? You don't have to know, you know, like, you don't have to be an expert yet. But one thing that I think can be pretty concerning, especially for like people who are newer designers, is that you've learned all this stuff but you don't fully understand the context of when to apply that. Like I'll ask people, like, why did you include the age of a persona or like, why did you do personas at all for this? And they'll be like, I don't know. And to me that speaks to like, I'm not thinking I'm just doing what I was told to do. And while you can train that out of somebody, the more that people invest upfront in really kind of understanding for themselves, when they should do certain things, the better. I think it would be a faux pas for junior designers to, in a meeting where everyone's kind of vibing off of what each other is saying, to be like, I think we should do this totally other thing over (laughs) here. And just like, you you know, like this level of gusto that's just like, oh God, like Mm. this kid, (laughs) you know? But like, I think that by, you know, asking like, oh, like, have we already tried blah or like, what do you folks think about this? Then you're adding to the conversation. I think that when I was in college, I got a lot of messaging about and even afterward, honestly, like going to conferences, sometimes you'll hear a lot about like, this is the perfect process and you'll read these books. It'll be like perfect process, perfect process. Uh, And then you get out there and you realize like, oh, I have like three weeks (laughs) to put this experience together. Where are we going to fit research? Like, where are we going to fit all the steps in in, in the boxes that we're supposed to check? And you have to learn to navigate that. And a lot of times it involves pushing back and being extremely uncomfortable. And that's something that it has taken me a long time to figure out.
1: What's up everybody i'm Guo and you're listening to the not just pixel show there's a lot to learn as a designer so in this show i sit down with design professionals to understand how to grow as a designer and help you get that ux design internship or job let's get into it today i'm talking to cat small cat on this day of posting is actually currently on a work sabbatical before she worked at All Turtles, an early stage startup studio, as the director of product design. Before All Turtles, she worked at Asana, Etsy, SoundCloud, and other companies. Also in 2016, Kat co founded Game Devs of Color Expo, an organization with a mission to amplify the creative power held by people of color in games. I first discovered Kat through her wonderfully playful website, and what I discovered was a treasure trove of her blog articles, talks, and resources. To this day, I am still amazed by her willingness to give back to the design community. So naturally, after spending hours consuming her content, I was like, I have to reach out to her. And lo and behold, we're here, and it was an absolute blast. We focused on solely one topic, junior designers. If you're a junior designer. I'm sure you'll love this one. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Kat Small. Kat, welcome to the show.
0: Hello, good to be here.
1: I'm so glad we can finally make this happen. It's been a long time in the making. (gasps) What a journey.
0: Yes, what a journey. What was, I'm trying to remember, like, it was like, one of us was... It was like, we weren't feeling well. And then there was like, I yeah. had a funeral and then you had family ish like a funeral. Yeah. And then you got sick and then I got sick. <laughs> so yeah, it was
1: like this series of back and forth. And Oof. I think it started in early November,
0: I think. I know. Yeah. Oh my but gosh.
1: Finally, we can make this We happen. made it. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> this is um, the final thing before the new year which is when we're recording this it'll happen in three days which is and
0: tomorrow's my birthday so it's a fun like you know
1: start to my new year oh wow yeah i
0: had no idea um yeah early
1: congratulations early happy birthday thank you Um, i know yeah
0: (laughs) it's a pleasure to get to do this it's a little you know gift to other people (laughs) i love paying it forward yeah
1: (laughs) i think the time that I release this, it uh, probably be in, definitely next year. I mean, but in that case, like, people will know when your birthday is. And so in the next hey. year, <laughs>
0: people yeah. know when to celebrate. <laughs> I
1: love that. Yeah, send
0: me send me a happy birthday if you're hearing this right now.
1: <laughs> I love that. That'll probably be in, like, uh, January, February, but it still works. Love it. A late birthday <laughs> or even a super early happy birthday that'll work.
0: Yeah, I'll take it.
1: So today I want to focus on a single theme, which is junior designers, more on the relatable end because I'm also, yeah, basically a junior designer. I don't even know if I can call myself that because I'm still a student, but today I just want to dive all in to that. How does that sound?
0: Love it. Yeah. Early career vibes are, are, it's a really... It's a very pivotal time, and I'm super excited to reminisce about what it was like for me and what I've learned since my journey began, 12 and change, more than Mm -hmm. that years ago, not counting. (laughs) I didn't count college in that, and there there Mm. were four years there, too, and lots of fun learnings or takeaways and things that I remember exploring during that time, and I'm so glad that I get to reflect with you on that.
1: Yeah, we can do all of that in this episode so i want to start with i guess something a little bit different um i wanted to ask about like because over your career journey thus far you have probably worked with and been a mentor for several junior or entry-level designers yeah. um you don't have to mention names if you don't want to but just looking back i think more on the specific end was there any junior designer or intern you remember that just made you think like Wow, like this person is different, like or wow, like this junior designer is really good at what they're doing. What about yeah. this person made you think that?
0: Yeah, I remember um there was a time where I decided to be a manager for some interns to kind of give management a shot. Mm-hmm. I think this was in like 2015 or something like that. And uh, I was looking through people's resumes and I was really lucky because I found two really interesting people. Mm. Um, and how that worked is at the time we were doing, we we had people do design challenges because they were interns mm. um, and we literally <laughs> didn't have any work yeah. to to pull from. And so the thing that stood out about one person, her name's Shanique. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still talk to her and she's continuously just amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy. I could be like, here, let's put SoundCloud on your resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause she totally, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, the thing that stood out to me about her was the, I mean, firstly her, her resume, like I really got a sense of who she was, her website. I got a sense of, you know, like she has a lot of personality and that's what I look for essentially is like, like, are you actually interested in being a designer? Or, like, you know, are you curious? Are you like interested in learning? And I really got a sense of that from. Just looking at her information, mm-hmm. and then when we actually gave her the uh, the take home work, she actually went and like talked to real people and like interviewed them and found some really interesting issues with mm. with SoundCloud. I think at the time we were doing things that I would not recommend doing now, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what you would put in your. Your take homes, mm-hmm. but we have learned things in the past, you know, six <laughs> or seven years that makes thing that makes things different now. But I really like that she took initiative essentially, mm-hmm. and that she showed that she was really excited to do this work, mm-hmm. and that meant a lot to me personally yeah. because I really look for designers who are like going to connect with their customers and are comfortable taking some level of risk, mm-hmm. and that showed not just has personality and is excited to learn, but she's also willing to go out of her comfort zone. So that was huge. And then the other person, this other person, his name is Taiichi and Mm. his portfolio was a medium Mm. blog Mm -hmm. and like, for all the complaints that we have about like, oh, people are redesigning things on their medium blogs Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like I actually really appreciated the thoughtfulness and the the amount of process that this person put into that work. And so that really stood out to me as I was looking through all these different resumes. And then, yeah, I just Mm -hmm. remember like Taiji's deck was so good. It was just like full of like, personality and like there were all these animations and transitions Mm. and what i really liked about these two people together is that you had this person who was very research customer insights driven and then you have this person who's very visual Mm. and so i was like can we please have both of these people (laughs) (laughs) like i know that's not the ask and the ask was just one intern but i have found these two amazing people and i really think that both of them need to learn from each other mm-hmm. and so we ended up hiring both of those people mm-hmm. and I just am so happy looking back at that that I could give two people the opportunity to learn if product design is the right fit for them
1: yeah I mean it sounds like they together are a great team
0: yeah I really don't like to leave designers by themselves especially at that stage you know I think mm-hmm. it's better to have multiple people and to really like yeah give people these opportunities to see the different directions that they can go in
1: mm-hmm and it sounds like, at least from what I'm hearing, like both of them, I don't know if they know at the time, but it sounds that they're specializing or they have something that specific skill that stands out. Do you think that's something that is recommended early on or is it more being like, because I've heard like there's a like journalist and also specialist designer. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. I don't think in Shanique's case that she knew that she was specializing. Um, I think Taichi very obviously was very excited about UI. um, And so I think that was just great to see in a person super early on. So, Mm. you know, it's cool if you know, and if you don't know, that's okay. Like part of the job of being an intern or a junior designer is to kind of explore and to play and to figure it out. Mm. Um, And so I think at the time I had recognized that You know, I think Shanique had a lot of great chops and that she had a great foundation, Mm -hmm. but that like, it can be really valuable to have somebody who's really just a visual design nerd to to learn some of, you know, to see kind of what they do and how they play and experiment. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think in our case, we actually had one generalist and then one person who was like very specialized. And Mm -hmm. I think both of those routes are totally okay. And it's not expected that you're gonna know that early on.
1: Like as a junior designer, you have the opportunity to kind of navigate and like kind of explore different things, see what you see fit. Yes. I think, extension to that, what do you think makes a junior product designer stand out from the crowd? Because I feel like the competition is just getting even more, even more competitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Curious to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yes. I think the big thing that I look for is to see if. Folks have more than just a rote understanding of the product development process. Like, mm-hmm. do you have an opinion about when you should do certain things? You don't have to know, you know, like you don't have to be an expert yet. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I think can be pretty concerning, especially for like people who are, are newer designers, is that you've learned all this stuff, but you don't fully understand the context of when to apply that. Mm. And sometimes that can be because of a lack of like engagement or actual like deep interest in design as like a practice. And I think that you don't have to be like, in love and obsessed, I guess you could say with design, Mm. but I do think it is important to care enough to think about like, why am I doing certain things? Mm. (laughs) And so something I look for in people's portfolios is like, well, like I'll ask people like, why did you include the age of a persona? Or like, why did you do personas at all for this? And they'll be like, I don't know. Mm. And to me, that speaks to like, I'm not thinking I'm just doing what I was told to do. And while you can train that out of somebody, the more that people invest upfront in really kind of understanding for themselves when they should do certain things, Mm. the better. Mm -hmm. Um, Really what you're looking for as a manager who's going to hire a junior product designer is like, how much potential do you have? And like, how much work do I have to put in to build on your foundation? And if you have built that foundation by investing upfront, then that shows that you are interested and engaged Mm. and, you know, you're probably going to grow faster in that job. So that's, the unfortunate truth <laughs> about this. And when I think back to where I was when I was a junior designer, mm-hmm. like the reality is that I was spending a lot of my time making various, like I, w- I was like making my own designs and like posters and like printing stuff out. And I was making websites in my spare time mm-hmm. and I was making blogs and I was just experimenting and playing and learning. Mm-hmm. And that's, gonna be that's gonna make you stand out as messed up as that is because we all need to eat and we all needed a job
1: yeah
0: uh but yeah like people want designers who are really engaged and excited about design
1: and i'm also hearing that being intentional about design decisions understanding the process and not just blindly following let's say like the standard five-step design process in a project
0: Yeah. And that's because design is very nuanced. Something that works one time isn't going to work every single time. Mm. You're really trying to build a series of tools in your toolkit. And the more that people have that mental model going in, the easier it is to have a very nuanced take as you grow in your skills.
1: I would love to also shift gears a little bit. I think One other topic that I do want to touch upon is how to plan your career. And to give some context, in an article, series that you titled How to Become a Public Speaker in One Year, you wrote, this was back in 2012, um, which is uh, 10 years ago, a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stressed. (laughs) Um, You basically gave yourself a goal, which is just saying it word by word, become an experienced product designer with management and leadership skills within five years. And I think at the time you were working at Nasdaq as a product designer, what sparked this clarity in your career focus? Was it something in your workplace, your changing career aspirations? Bring us back to 2012. What was that like?
0: Yeah. Well, I remember I, at that point, had been working for a couple of years, so I had had a job as like a junior web graphic designer, uh, also working at NASDAQ. And then I left after a while because they just didn't have any more work for me and I was looking to grow. (sighs) Mm. So then I shifted to a startup where I got some really interesting experience as one of like a very small number of designers on like a, at a company that was maybe like 50 people or something like that. Mm. And that was helpful, but I, I felt like I was really still trying to figure out like, well, like, what does good design process look like? And like, how do I become a leader? And then I actually ended up back at, at NASDAQ again. Mm-hmm. And then I saw, like, I was I was lucky enough to have other people on on the team at that point who had been doing a little bit more of that work. Um, I think we were, we all had different pathways to get where we were at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I, I was recognizing through looking at them and, and the work that they were doing, like, okay, well, I really want to build my skills as more of a leader. Um, I want to learn to facilitate more. I mm. want to conduct user research more and to really be engaged with my work in, in that way. So kind of, you know, going back to what I was saying about like wanting to grow and learn and like all that kind of stuff, what we call "quote unquote" potential. Like yeah. I was recognizing that, you know, like I am deeply interested in this work and I think that if I put in some time that I could really grow like my peopling skills. Because mm-hmm. honestly, when I think about where I was at that point, when I started being a designer, I was really shy. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the internships that I did, I actually learned that I needed to make eye contact and speak more clearly and, mm-hmm. and you know, more confidently and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, at this job at NASDAQ, um, my manager let me know that something that he would like the members of the team to do is to actually start. Doing public speaking, and so, mm. you know, I, I realized like, oh, this is actually like a an aspect of leadership, and this would probably be beneficial to me. So, yeah, uh, yeah, honestly, it was a it was me seeing other people around me, seeing the kinds of directions I could go in. It was also my manager very directly yeah. <laughs> telling me about a foundational skill that mm. um that would be beneficial to my career, and I was like, you know what, that's true. I I do actually really want to invest in that.
1: Got it. Yeah, and on a super high level, do you mind? just giving the audience some context and what you ended up doing after you came up with the yeah. plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of public speaking.
0: Yeah. So um, what that looked like for me was I started to list out different places where I could speak, I just kind of threw mm. myself into it yeah. in terms of public speaking. And there were a couple of websites that you could read up at that point in time that kind of talked about like what the process was like. So mm. I put together this list of the different conferences I would like to speak at. And then when they actually had uh, calls for proposals, mm. I would submit ideas along with my coworkers. So we were all actually jamming oh. together on our ideas and yeah. we would submit them around the same time. And then, you know, one of us might get in out of the three or four people who were submitting and then we would go try to attend those folks conference talks and then we would learn from each other and then try again. Yeah. And so the nice thing is that in this case, I was actually doing a lot of this as a group, but what I learned from that was, you know, it's, it's, it's about, Putting yourself out there, and then what's really nice about conference organizers when they know it's your first talk is that they will actually support you. And Mm. so, um, when I did actually get a talk accepted, I was able to get a bunch of feedback from the conference organizer and to you know submit multiple takes. Um, I did an outline first, and then I transitioned the outline to an actual deck, and then refined the deck based on the feedback I was getting. Mm. And you'll usually get to actually do a practice talk if you're. Especially if you're doing a, an in person um, right. event, I think they also will do this online too. And so, yeah, I was just refining and refining. And then after the first time, it gets a lot easier. You figure out what the process is like and you just kind of replicate that. And over the span of the years since 2012, <laughs> I you, you can hear like every single time I've given a talk, I sound more confident and I feel like my thoughts were getting clearer. Mm. And I was also, of course, having more work experience to pull from.
1: Love that. And an adjacent example I can think of on a really abstract level is it sounds like what you did was also like the design process where you're literally putting yourself out there, getting feedback yes. from people and refining your presentation. In that case, I guess in design, it will be a product, a feature, but in your case, it's like presentation, yeah. delivery.
0: It's your message. Yeah, it's all about refining you and, and thinking about... I guess, in some way, how you connect with other people, how you're perceived by other people and like what you want to say, like what kind of message you want to get across. Mm-hmm. And what I really like about public speaking is that you can build connections with a lot of people very quickly. Yeah. I always learn so much. Also, I don't just go to conferences to talk and to meet people. I actually go to listen and to learn and to see what else is out there.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: I highly recommend for folks, especially when you're early in your career, to submit a talk and then just see what happens. You never know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's normally, I feel like it's normally, especially in those like unexpected situations that people can grow the most. Yes. This is completely like out of the blue, but I did a singing competition back in Gabbier. That was one of the nice. things, but also I learned so much from it, practiced so much singing for that. <laughs> but That's so fun. Yeah, it was a fun experience. Definitely learned a lot.
0: It's awesome. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's the same. You you just learn so much about yourself, you learn so much about the process, you become more comfortable with yourself. And all of that has definitely made me a better designer.
1: Love that. And I think a follow up on that is, how do you know that your career plan is, quote unquote, like good, or that it's gonna lead you to the right direction? Because I think probably good to give a quick example on my end. So currently at my stage, how I think about it is that I'm looking at it in terms of industries. So like industries I'm interested in working in. So let's say gaming, music, entertainment, like these are three industries I'm interested in. And I'm kind of targeting my search based on the industries, but I know there's probably a lot more layers and also things that I can consider when it comes to career planning as a designer. I'm just curious, like, how do you know from your experience that it's in the right direction?
0: Yeah. So the thing that I try to focus on a lot is like the outcomes Mm. that I want to achieve. And so in terms of my career plan, like, yeah, I was like, I would love to be like a person who is senior and like has management and leadership experience and things like that. But I also said, and I'm like reading literally from what I wrote (laughs) in five years. Mm -hmm. This is in 2012. I want to create products that help and affect people in positive ways. I want to mentor others. I want to create a diverse, positive community for design, technology, and games in my case. Um, I wanted to work with forward-thinking people to create and practice new design methodologies, Mm. collaborate as much as possible with people who have other skills mix art design and technology and new experimental ways and develop management and leadership skills. And I think by mm-hmm. kind of encapsulating it in that way, it helped me create a filter that was really based on like, what is this company going to do for me yeah. and what am I going to do for it? And how am I going to learn and how I'm going to how am I going to grow during our time together, however mm-hmm. long that may be. Yeah. Um, and so I think like by having a somewhat loose plan that is rooted in outcomes instead yeah. of like boxes to check, it helped me to, you know, refer to it sometimes and say, Oh, am I doing these things right now? And if I'm not doing these things, then maybe right. this isn't a fit. And like, I need to figure out if I can do those things here, or if I need to go elsewhere. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would, I would say having something that's like, a series of qualities is more ideal than like, envisioning a rigid structure that you might realize you don't actually like.
1: Right. Because I think that's one thing that I've thought about. It's like, what if I try so hard to get into a certain industry and then I go in and then I realize that I don't like it? I think yeah. that's. What
0: just t- happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely realized, like, oh, uh, the entertainment industry, in my case, like, I found it to be very, very interesting and fun. And also you have to be really particular about the business model of the company that you join. Because if it's not sustainable, then that's not going to be fun. And you're going to work on product experiences that do not make you proud.
1: That actually does tie into another topic that I wanted to talk about. Which is yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the spicy part of things.
0: We love spicy meatballs. <laughs>
1: um, I titled this the hard truth, and the question is, what is one thing that you wish you knew before entering the real world after college? Maybe that's one thing that's good, one thing that's not so good. Which I call the hard truth. Um, if any specific example come to mind, that'll be awesome as well.
0: Yeah, I think one thing that I wish I understood is how much there's there's a there's a time pressure that you have to actively learn to navigate um and if you struggle with that or like it it really impacts the quality of your design work and i think that when i was in college i got a lot of messaging about and even afterward honestly like going to conferences sometimes you'll hear a lot about like this is the perfect process Mm -hmm. and you'll read these books it'll be like perfect process perfect process. Uh, and then you get out there and you realize like, oh, I have like three weeks <laughs> to put this experience together. <laughs> mm. Where are we going to fit research? Like, where are we going to fit all the steps in the in, in the boxes that we're supposed to check? And you have to learn to navigate that. And a lot of times it involves pushing back and being extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's something that it has taken me a long time to figure out, you know, when do I... When do I pick my battles and, and decide mm. to actually fight these kinds of timelines? When do I say, all right, I'll give you this one. But, you know, like, yeah, here's yeah. the caveat. You end up playing chicken a lot, I feel like, in in the world as a designer. And that's what you don't get taught when you're in school.
1: Mm. So like the time constraint and yeah. being like needing to make compromises in the process.
0: Yeah, you really you need to negotiate with people and I think it's important to understand when you are compromising in a way that is harmful to the customer experience mm-hmm. versus when you are essentially like kind of trading out <laughs> for something <laughs> that really grander scheme doesn't matter that much. Like mm-hmm. if you can learn and experiment, like that's great. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot about like, what are things that are hard to undo? And those are the things I'm really going to push for. And, you know, if I need more time, we're going to get more time. Those are the kinds of skills that right now, at least as far as I can tell, you don't learn that you need until you actually get out there. So the more that you can, of course, have a perspective, but also Mm. understand when to really push for that perspective versus kind of when to let go uh, is something that folks need to learn because a lot of times people will either come out being very meek or they'll come out just like guns a-blazing and they'll fight for everything. And in the latter case, people are going to stop listening to you. Mm. And that's something I definitely witnessed and also in a couple of cases learned for myself.
1: Mm -hmm. I think the first experience that I had really. to that was when I did a part-time at a startup. I'm actually going to go back oh, awesome. next semester. Oh, and yeah, yay. um, really excited about that one. But I think in the very beginning, it was quite uncomfortable because it was a startup. Things were moving extremely fast. They're trying to build this MVP. And yeah. I was obviously also taught the standard design process where like you start with research and then you end up with high fidelity designs. And I think believe at the time, the pace just did not or it wasn't able to encompass the research part of things. And in my yeah. mind, I was just like, that feels wrong because just what I yeah. taught. And and then we still were able to do some quick research um, just for myself to validate and also understand. That's great. But yeah, it was just definitely something I realized. It was like, OK, like I learned all these things, but it doesn't really work in the real world. There are compromises to be made. But that was something yeah. that I just thought about.
0: Yeah, I try to make more negotiations that result in everybody winning than compromises. And yeah, like I think the questions become like, all right, if this is, if I'm not confident in this, like, how do we do something quickly that results in the same outcome? So it kind of goes back to Mm -hmm. that place that I was talking about with planning your own career. It's like, let's focus on outcomes and what we're trying to actually achieve. And the more you can ground the conversation in that, then the less you'll have people being like, oh, this person just wants to do research for research sake or, or, yeah. or things like that. Like, oh, the designer is slowing us down again. It's like, oh, the designer is building confidence in what we're going to release. And mm. then people will actually be much more likely to empathize with you and yeah. and and listen to you so it's it's been fun figuring out how to how to navigate that and really yeah how to switch it shift it more toward negotiation than like compromise yeah. which has a negative connotation mm-hmm. i think
1: i can see that i think another thing that i've heard from past conversation is in the workplace it's no longer necessary or it's longer enough to just understand the user but also mm-hmm. to build rapport support within the organization to actually make your ideas alive and built have you experienced yeah. that before
0: oh yeah i mean yeah a lot of my job is is talking to other people and other functions and uh yeah if i think back to what i learned from soundcloud is like i need to be much more embedded with my pm and my data analyst partner and of course Engineering folks as well, yeah. Um, And so when I joined Etsy, I started talking to those folks a lot, Um, and it really—I mean, I honestly—it took me until probably a couple of years ago for me to really understand the importance of like talking to these folks all the time and being more of a thought partner Mm. uh, than just a person who. I mean, I I spent a lot of time just like executing stuff. (laughs) But yeah, I think like the more that I understood the business, the easier it became for me to communicate with those different folks uh, because I really understood the pressures that were being applied to them. Mm -hmm. And so I think an example of that is when I was working at Etsy, I was working on this stats product for a couple of years and we had gotten some executive pressure to redesign the experience. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really take into account the amount of pressure that our product manager would be receiving. And the way that it happened was that uh, we had one product manager who was working on this project for a while. And then Mm -hmm. that person had like three projects they were working on. So we hired a new person, that new person came in and was expected to finish the work that we were doing, had a huge amount of pressure to deliver by a certain date that had been set before that person joined. And, you know, I was here like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, slow this down. Like we have all these information architecture issues that we need to, resolve. And I wasn't explaining that in a way that would make it clear, like these changes that we need to make to the information architecture will actually result in a better, you yeah. know, experience that will help customers navigate more, which will increase the KPIs that we're planning to track. And if I had recognized that that was really the way to communicate about that issue, I think we would have actually been able to get a bit more time or we might have figured out a different solution. Yeah. Um. And so what we ended up having to do was to actually reiterate again Mm. (laughs) and like do another iteration (laughs) on the experience because the, right? I know like the experience that we actually had designed that first time around totally failed because people couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the next time around, I think, you know, we were able to actually talk a lot more a lot sooner. There were some data issues I didn't realize that folks were having, which was why the PM mm-hmm. had wanted to put this experience somewhere else completely in the first place. Yeah. We just learned so much about how to actually communicate with each other from that, uh, that challenge. And
1: yeah. I yeah. just started
0: asking people like what your what their goals are a lot more.
1: Mm-hmm. And like putting yourself in the shoes of other team members, yes. understanding what they're currently facing.
0: Yes. Yeah. The more you can build empathy and connection and understanding, not just with your users, as you're saying, but also with the members of your teams who have very different experiences and pressures and goals than you, the easier your job is going to get as a designer.
1: I know we have limited time, so I do want to also shift gears to another part of yeah. the junior designer theme section. I've been really enjoying yes. this thus far. It, I, I'm learning so much, just I guess more on the selfish reason because Yay. I'm also a junior designer, <laughs> but um I wish to share this with everybody else who's listening as well. And the next thing I want to talk about is a little bit related to the career plan section, which is, I think one of yes. the biggest questions people ask is, how do I grow as a junior designer and reach that next level in my career. From your experience, how can a junior designer grow?
0: Yeah, I mean, for for me personally, my personal experience has really been to learn through doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that looked like early in my career was, you know, very simple, small projects that were like I was I was my hand was being held the whole time. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, once I got semi-confident or comfortable, then I did go to a startup, as I mentioned, where I had like basically no help (laughs) and that was useful in some ways. But honestly, I do think that an ideal growth experience for a a junior designer is to have a mentor Mm -hmm. and to have support as you are learning, again, to navigate these relationships that you're building. And the more that you can learn to do that part, I feel like the work, of course, You want to do a good job there too. But the more you have somebody who's supporting and cultivating you, the better. If you do end up in those startups where you're just kind of expected to swim, Mm -hmm. I think it's a great test. Um, But from my personal experience, there's a point where you need (laughs) the support and being a sole designer or one out of a very small number of junior designers can really limit your growth. In some if if you're the, you know, if you happen to land in the right place, then it can do the inverse. But my personal recommendation would be to aim for like a depth of learning and to learn as much as you can early in your career and to build those connections and to to build that network earlier Mm -hmm. so that as you experience challenges, you have more people to talk to about them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's like the big thing that I started doing, especially when I worked at a startup. I really started Going to networking events and like talking to people because I didn't have that network within my company. So, yeah, I think connecting with people, sharing your stories, um, finding people you can jam on in terms of the, honestly, the more in, you're going to have more interpersonal issues than mm-hmm. like design challenges, I would say. Yeah. Uh, the more you can find ways to navigate those and to talk to people,
1: mm-hmm. the better. Got it. Yeah. I'm like finger snapping so many times when you're talking about, especially the. <laughs> That happened in my mind. I didn't really do it on camera in person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We like a mental (laughs) finger Mental
1: finger because I am also a solo designer on a startup. Or one of my biggest concerns, like I love the team. I love what we're doing. But my biggest concern is that I don't know if my work is, how does it relate to industry standard level work? Mm. And I think that's really the biggest concern and issue that I have with my current position. And so I think definitely like, hundred percent on what you're saying is like, I think next opportunity, I definitely want to find a place where like there, I know that there will be a really good mentor or like a manager that can yeah. tell me that if this is right or wrong, or if I'm in the right direction, yeah. stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And again, I really want to underscore the value of like, if you do end up in these positions because startups love junior designers so much and like, who doesn't want to eat and pay rent? Like, I think it's okay to, as long as you recognize what that situation is going to be like. Put yourself in it, but then make sure that you are supplementing Mm. with other forms of support, you know, join some design slacks. Like there are a lot of conferences that offer scholarships and things like that. And so you can actually attend like conferences for free. Mm. Um, Make sure that you are finding other ways to connect with people and to get those mentors or to have those peer mentors that you will not have access to Mm. because your company is just too small Um, and you will get awesome experience that way, too. But yeah, I I do think that that's unsustainable (laughs) if I'm completely honest. Like Mm -hmm. if you're at the right startup, then maybe you'll become a head of design in like Mm -hmm. five or seven years or something. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that like you're going to max out in terms of your lived experience. And a way to really get that is by diversifying and to actually work with other people and to learn from them. Like I'm really a believer of like apprenticeships and, Mm -hmm. and things like that, where we've got somebody who's taking you under the wing and they've got 10 years of experience already and you just get to jump forward Mm. without having to experience all of their challenges again for yourself.
1: Yeah. So like not by learning it the hard way and like going it through myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Why learn the hard way?
1: (laughs) Or (laughs) you have a great mentor, yeah.
0: (laughs) Literally. Yeah. 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 Why? Why suffer?
1: No, for sure. And like, I think I guess for me, my way of supplementing that is, I mean, obviously we're doing that literally right now. It's like, recording a podcast Heyo. like yeah <laughs> like recording a podcast i'm um, talking to different people yeah just like learning from people who have been in this industry for a lot longer than i have i have so
0: i love that yeah
1: i want to move on to the final question um it's yes. crazy how 37 minutes already passed since the very beginning what is time <laughs> yeah i think COVID- I mean, obviously COVID messed up time, but also um, I've been really enjoying the conversation thus far. So I think there's like two different things playing at the same time. Um, The final question is, if you're now facing yourself, but 20 years old, so back in college, what career slash life advice would you tell the young cat?
0: Mm, I think that I would tell myself that I do have a valuable perspective and to be confident and show up. Um, I think when I was 20, I remember I had this internship once Mm. where this person, there was like a mascot at this company (laughs) and it was the dog. It was the company dog. Mm. And so the company dog would occasionally leave interns their, their LinkedIn reviews. And this LinkedIn review, it was like, it it definitely dragged me a little Mm. bit, but it told me how to be a, better coworker in the future. Mm-hmm. And so it said something like, Kat was like, you know, like the... She, she always brought her voice and she was always like, you know, she would come into meetings yeah. and just sit there and listen and like all this stuff that I did not do. I just kind of was <laughs> like in the corner like, do you need anything? Do you need anything? <laughs> just like, is somebody going to give me work? I don't know. I'm going to sit here and then I'm going to go to lunch. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I was just really shy. And um, yeah, from that you know, I learned like, oh, actually like take up space, like even more than you think you should, because that's something that I really struggled with for a long time. And I'm still, you know, struggling with like sharing my perspective. And like, I feel like uh, it would have been like, what I would definitely tell myself is, you know, like you deserve to take up space and you can involve other people in your learning process. You don't have to look like you know everything. You just got here. Nobody expects you to know everything. You're literally freaking 20 years old. You look like a child. <laughs> like, like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really struggled with that for a long, long time. Like thinking that if I didn't know the answer, that I just couldn't say anything mm-hmm. or like if I didn't, if I was curious about something, I needed to wait to be called on and like those kinds of things. And, and I really hope that junior designers out here who are listening to this podcast right now, it is okay to show initiative. It is actually encouraged in this world to show initiative and to be excited about things and to have passion. Also have a life outside of your job, but it is good <laughs> <laughs> to actually show that you care and people like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I think playing devil's advocate a little bit because I, yeah. I definitely had that experience i remember my first internship whenever in meetings what whenever it's in let's say like user research sessions interviews i'm always just the one on the side taking notes and i think one of the biggest question i have or concern that i have is what i say isn't going to be like it's gonna um how do i how do i say this it's like they're having a really lively conversation i'm gonna stop their flow what I'm gonna say is not gonna mm. contribute to what they're saying. Normally, I think from your experience, like how have you tried to come around that or think in it yeah. in a different perspective?
0: Yeah, I try to ask questions a lot and then to reflect on what I'm hearing. And that's my way a lot of the time of contributing to conversations now. Like, mm-hmm. especially because again, like I'm more senior and I'm trying to encourage other people to provide their thoughts. Yeah. Um, but I think even when I was a junior, more junior designer. Um, something that I wanted to do was to build comfort with like asking silly quote unquote questions, because a lot of times what I recognized is that other people were actually wondering the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I think like it's about how you deliver your message. Like I think it would be a faux pas for junior designers to in a meeting where everyone's kind of vibing off of what each other is saying to be like, I think we should do this totally other thing over (laughs) here. And just like, you you know, like this level of gusto, that's just like, oh God, like this kid, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but like, I think that by, you know, asking like, oh, like, have we already tried blah? Or like, what do you folks think about this? Then you're adding to the conversation. It's, I think one of the things I think about is like improv principles where it's like, there's yes and, yeah. which will like, you know, it's additive. And then there's no, which cuts off the conversation completely and yeah. like brings you to a different place. And it's very declarative. And so I try to be much more of a yes and person. And I have recognized that like, when I do that, again, I'm moving in the direction of facilitation, and I'm adding value. And like, I'm adding to this pool of meaning, as some people might say, and then that's, to me at least a a very helpful way especially when you're more junior to contribute while also you know recognizing that there's a lot you haven't learned yet
1: so it also depends on the way that people phrase their questions um like have you thought about this or like instead of just like completely negating what other people have said and just say that we should go towards this question
0: Yeah. yeah it it shows that you in some way recognize that like hey, you're all smart people. Have you thought of this? Like maybe you've already thought of this thing. Yeah. And so just in case, you know, I'm I'm throwing it out here, but I'm also giving you the space to say, yes, we already thought of that. And here's why we didn't do that. Mm. And then you as a, a junior designer get to learn something about why that idea was, you know, kind of tossed out of the ranking yeah, or, or yeah. What, whatever you'd like to say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know we went over the 30 minute that... I normally go for the episode, but that's totally f- fun as welcome well. You're welcome, listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time is not a concern over here. Um, <laughs>
0: time doesn't exist anymore. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I just want to say, Kat, thank you so much for taking your time to do this. I'm so glad that we were able to do this. And I had a blast
0: glad to be a part of it yeah same I'm so happy that we could we did it yeah. seriously like we double did it it's it's done um, I'm very proud to have <laughs> actually made this time happen and I've loved getting to hear about you and to learn about you know what what you're excited about and like just yeah I'm, I'm really excited for everybody who's gonna listen to this and I appreciate you bringing me on the show
1: Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your time. And again, before we say goodbye, my name is Guo and you've just listened to the Not Just Pixel Show. And I'll see you in the next episode.